one of the glaring omissions in the book of Esther found in the Bible. You're not going to believe this, but it's the omission of God. You don't read at any point in the book of Esther do you read the mention of God. It's like God is invisible in the book of Esther. How in the world does a um, an ancient letter get put, and we don't know who the author of Esther is, but how in the world did this author not mention God the entire time, and you can fact check me on that one, and then get canonized in scripture? How do you have a book of the Bible? Join me live September 11th through the 13th for a three-day virtual couples retreat. By the end of the first day alone, you're going to have a marriage dream statement, which is basically a vision statement. Why is this important? Because it's critical to know the purpose for your marriage and having a clear vision of what you want your marriage to be and how you want it to impact your children and community. Develop this vision and purpose for your marriage and watch your struggles become totally irrelevant. After you have this real live marriage vision statement, Saturday and Sunday are going to focus on sexual intimacy, healthy communication, and lots of chances for Q&A so I can help you specifically. Register today. Spots are limited for the Married on Purpose live virtual couples retreat, September 11th through the 13th. You can do it right now. Don't waste another second. Smalleyinstitute.com. How do you have a book of the Bible find its way approved that doesn't mention God? Is God invisible to the author of Esther? Well, I learned some pretty interesting things on this because obviously, no, God is not invisible. And I think what's really powerful in the book of Esther is even though factually God is not mentioned, when you just read it and you experience the life of Esther, God is blatantly there. He is behind the scenes. Maybe this author was trying to make the point that in your darkest moment, you may not see him, you may not be hearing him. That does not mean he isn't behind the scenes doing the God thing, that he's not behind the scenes orchestrating his will, his purpose. He's there. He's still protecting you. He's guiding you. Because we know God is obviously in the book of Esther because of Esther. This is insane. An orphaned Jewish girl becomes queen of the most powerful nation on earth. That's, that can only be God, right? Uh, she finds out about a plot to slaughter every single Jew on the planet and is used to foil that plot. She has to go meet. She has to get an audience with King Xerxes without his permission, which really meant certain death. And this little, beautiful albeit, but this little orphan Jewish girl takes the risk? Yeah, God's in it. 
because we don't do those kinds of things. We don't take the kind of risk many times it, it, that is necessary in times of crisis because we're scared, and we're scared when we're not having faith, when we don't actually believe. That's when our fear and our anxiety and our worry just get out of control. This chick, Esther, instead of panicking, instead of like, please don't do this, and begging and pleading and rushing and trying to force things to happen, cooks dinner for one of the most powerful men in all of Persia, who was the one behind the plot to slaughter all the Jews, and then the king of Persia. She She cooks him a meal, not just one, but several, and is able to sway the king to not kill the Jews and actually instead kill Haman. I never get the guy's name right. I don't know why it doesn't seem like it should be that complicated. But she cooks dinner. She doesn't panic. She doesn't rush. We're talking about be an Esther and win back your husband. If you're going to be an, an Esther, you have to fall. You've got to realize you need to land on God is not invisible. Just because you're in crisis, just because your husband is not, I'm going to take these glasses off. Just because your husband isn't doing what he's supposed to be doing and he's not, he's being a turd. I use that all the time because it's the best descriptor of our spouse when they're not loving us in a way we deserve. So I get it. You're in crisis. I understand that it kind of feels like God's not there. But this first step, if you're going to be an Esther, is about your faith in God. Do you believe or not? And how can you know? How do you know if you believe? How do you know if you're really trusting in him? Uh, I'll tell you, you'll know because of how you feel. And I'm not being a feeling-based believer here. All I'm saying is that the natural result that you literally can't help from releasing your husband and trusting God for your joy, happiness, satisfaction, life, and, and instead of your husband, right, that comes as a result of your faith in him and not your faith in your husband. If you need your husband to do the right thing so that you can be satisfied, that's not going to work. And so you can know who your real master is. Is it your husband or God based on what, based on your level of joy, based on your level of satisfaction, based on your lack of fear, your lack of anxiety, your lack of panic? You're not going to be experiencing that stuff on an overwhelming basis. It's okay to go there, especially with new circumstances, new hurts. I'm not asking you to be perfect. All I'm saying is you can know who your faith is, who your faith is in, by how you're feeling. If I'm panicked, and I'll tell you right now, ladies, if you have, if you have been really injured, if well, let's just say that you felt betrayed by your husband. Careful, because when we feel betrayed, and especially for a woman, it might be an affair, it could be physical abuse, it could be, you know, really dramatic things. That is going to, if again, if you're relying on him to repent, to seek forgiveness, to turn and make necessary changes that, by the way, you deserve, 
if you're relying on him to do that so you'll be okay, you're going to hit that, what I learned recently from one of the people that's been helping me in my own life, that's going to be a primal panic. The primal panic is in the core of your DNA, right, all the way back down to when we're created. When we hit a primal panic level, then your actions are going to go crazy. You're going to want one thing, which is good, reconciliation, healing, growth, joy. You're going to want all those things, but your actions are going to continually sabotage them. Because when you reach that panic, which the result of the panic or the fuel of that panic is a lack of faith. Your marriage crisis is nothing other than a faith crisis. Like, at some point, I got to own that in my life. And so if, if I'm not trusting that God is there, he's got my back, even in the darkest places, then I'm going to end up panicked. And when I end up panicked, I'm going to fight or flight. I'm going to lash out. I'm going to be controlling and manipulative. I'm going to be sabotaging. I'm going to be trying to control the other person, right? Because that's our goal. We want this other person to treat us right, but we're taking it on our shoulders going, well, I need to make sure you hear this and I need to make sure you're doing this and I need to be the Holy Spirit for you. The problem is clearly we make for very bad Holy Spirits because it's not our job. We're terrible at it and we're terrible at it, by the way, because of our own sin, our own dysfunction. So that's why when I try to highlight my spouses, when you're trying to highlight your husband's growth areas, he's not going to react well because you have your own growth areas. My guess is when you highlight his, he highlights yours. Your job is to establish the master in my life, the source of my joy, the source of my security, the source of my fulfillment and satisfaction in life is God, not you. So I'm going to you know, I'm releasing you. I'm fly, little dysfunctional birdie. It's okay. I'm taking this off the table. You are not responsible for my good behavior, and you're not responsible for my joy in life. That only comes from God. And I'm going to choose to trust him and believe him over trying to make you do the right thing, and and you're going to begin releasing him. And how you'll know that you're really doing it is by how you're feeling. So if you're still panicked, if you're still freaking out, if you're still escalating and shutting down, you know I'm not trusting him and I've got a trust and faith problem here, not a marriage problem. So winning back your husband, being like an Esther, is having faith that God's got your back. When you do that, forgiveness instead of bitterness, respecting boundaries instead of bullying, right? When your husband, because one of the lessons further on down in this thing about how to be an Esther and win back your husband is going to be if your husband says, back off, I either need to be separated or I just need you to stop, then you need to be able to back off. I know everything in you is like, no, I can't back off because if I can't back off, I'm going to lose you. That's, that's a primal panic. That's what's speaking there. That isn't a, a person trusting God that he'll take care of this person, your husband, 
and he'll take care of you. So if you can't respect a boundary, that may be unreasonable. And I know, and we're gonna, I'll get into it in depth on why it is so important, even though it feels completely counterintuitive to what you should be doing to win back your husband. But you're gonna be able to respect that boundary. You're gonna surrender instead of control. <laughs> Look, it doesn't work. You know this. It doesn't work to try to make him do the right thing. You got to allow him to fail. You got to allow him to fall flat on his face because the consequences are all his in terms of his choices and behavior. That's not up. That's not you. You can't do anything about it. The only thing we have control over is ourselves. And so we're going to be able to surrender instead of control. We finally allow Christ to handle and you're going to allow Christ to handle your husband's need, his needed transformation, and you're going to focus on your own. That is how to be an Esther. Being an Esther is about following God, believing in him, trusting in him, allowing him to be your joy. Because, look, I, I promise, if your joy and satisfaction is based on winning back your husband. You will lose. You're going to lose. You have got to be able to release that and recognize, Lord, I need you more than I need a husband. So, Lord, I love him. I want nothing but the best for him. Obviously, God, I would love our marriage to be reconciled, but it doesn't have to because I believe, I trust that I'll be okay regardless of the outcome. I'm not going to put any strings attached to my joy. Because, by the way, your husband feels them, right? If you're hearing stuff like, oh, my gosh, can you never just back off? Or, golly, you've always got to dot, 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 right? Your husband is pleading with you to say, release me. He might be ignorant of what he's really asking for, but that's what he's asking. Can you not let me go? Like you keep trying to control me. You keep trying to tell me what I need to do, but what about all the crap you need to do? When you release that, what you'll find is your husband's going to be left with only himself. And if you, if you want genuine influence over your husband, then it's going to be from releasing him. Because when you do, and he starts seeing how you're okay with or without him, then he's got a, the only thing left he has to look at is himself and he's not going to like it. It's going to bother him because he doesn't have anything left to blame in you. He now only has himself to look at and that's going to be a pretty ugly picture. That's going to not be the greatest look staring back at him in the mirror. And it's probably the fuel that'll get him to start doing what he needs to do to be the right kind of husband that you deserve. All of that comes from an invisible God that's not so invisible, who's working behind the scenes, who does miraculous things, who's already done that in your life. I had this wonderful prayer time recently with a friend that we meet once a month. And right at the beginning, I like to go, Lord, what do you want with this time? We spend an hour in silence over the phone. And I just said, Lord, what do you want? I just want to be in your presence. Is there anything? And the first thing he said is, I want you to remember all the things I've done for you. And I just thought, wow. And I just started reciting in my head 
all the different ways God has delivered me, saved me, protected me, healed me. And he does those things so that we remember, this is why I trust him. This is why I have belief in him. Because of the things, I know God is not invisible because of what he's done in my life. So if you don't have God and you're trying to win back your husband, you need to find him. You need to trust in him. You need to make that leap of faith and say, Lord, I can't do it. I stink at it. I've established that. So I just, I'm going to ask that you do it for me and then watch what happens. That's where transformation happens. Trusting him is where freedom happens. And when you finally have that freedom, then you will begin behaving and doing the things necessary to win him back. But the best news of all, you won't have to win him back. You'll be okay, whether he stays or goes, which takes so much pressure off yourself. And believe it or not, it takes pressure off your husband. Join me live September 11th through the 13th for a three-day virtual couples retreat. By the end of the first day alone, you're going to have a marriage dream statement, which is basically a vision statement. Why is this important? Because it's critical to know the purpose for your marriage and having a clear vision of what you want your marriage to be and how you want it to impact your children and community. Develop this vision and purpose for your marriage and watch your struggles become totally irrelevant. After you have this real live marriage vision statement, Saturday and Sunday are going to focus on sexual intimacy, healthy communication, and lots of chances for Q&A so I can help you specifically. Register today. Spots are limited for the Married on Purpose live virtual couples retreat September 11th through the 13th. You can do it right now. Don't waste another second. Smalleyinstitute.com.